Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 136. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Man, if you listened to the last episode and you've came back for another episode, I just want to applaud you, say thank you for hanging in there. You know, that was a terrible guest, um, just downright awful. If you didn't listen to the last episode, um, it was just me. I was the guest <laughs> and rambled on for about 37 minutes about my uh, doe I killed in the front yard. And, um, you know, I tell you what, all jokes aside, that was very exciting. I'm very happy about that. I've had. <laughs> Uh, I posted some pictures online, and somehow Facebook has shown it to apparently some anti-hunters. I've had a couple people just say it was downright despicable and awful that I, I, I don't know if they don't like that I have my daughter there or, or what. I, I try and engage some of the haters and just see if they'll dialogue, but most of them just seem to be trolls, and they just want to be negative, and they never want to actually talk. So I'd be more than happy to engage somebody that hates hunting and try and pick their brain on why they think the way they do and not, not try and put them down, but... You know, nobody ever wants to chat about it. So anyway, uh, I'm excited about that um, and just looking forward to um, the end of October. I tell you, uh, the next few days just seem to be warm. It's going to be hot. Um, also still have the foster kids at this point in the game. So just probably just going to chill. Um, last year, by this time, I'd already hunted quite a bit. And this year, I am really have toned it down a little bit. I mean, it's still early. I still have time to mess it all up and <laughs> make my wife hate hunting. But really trying to just pick my times and, and make sure it's good when I go. I am planning to go. Uh, my wife did give me the green light next Friday, the 15th, so the week that this comes out. I am headed to West Virginia with my brother for uh, probably just an evening hunt, um, hunting my grandfather's property. I've never hunted um, whitetails out of state before, um, so I'm excited for that. Also excited to go to a state, you know, um, West Virginia, there are some big bucks there, but I, I don't have any um, intention of holding out over there. So kind of uh, the, you might not agree with this philosophy, but if it's brown, it's down. I mean, I, my brother looked on the trail camera and there were a lot of pictures of deer over there. So likelihood is I won't see a buck, but probably will have an opportunity at a doe. And I would gladly take another one, especially um, out of state, new, new place, grandfather's homestead, you know, just kind of a neat place to go and be able to hunt with my brother. So we'll see how that plays out. Maybe another story for the week after. Um, but other than that, that's about it. Just messing around with trail cameras and putting some stuff out and um, we'll just kind of see how it all plays out. Today's guest, I am super excited about this interview. It's a guy that I've been friends with for a couple of years since he first came on the podcast, episode 47. If you haven't listened to that one, that gives you a background into Zach Owsley. Now, Zach is from, uh, has a YouTube channel called Aerial Assault. I do mess that up, and I apologize to Zach. I, I called it something else at the end of the show, or at the end of the interview, uh, whenever I was talking to him. But Aerial Assault is a great YouTube channel. Zach does a lot of reviews. Uh, if you're into saddle hunting especially, he does a lot of things related to saddle hunting and just some real helpful things. And he also videos his hunts and has some good stuff. So I'd encourage you guys to check that out. Check out episode 47. Uh, maybe go back and check that one out. Uh, but we have a great conversation. Um, just easy to sit and talk to Zach. He's a good guy from Tennessee. And we talk all kinds of things. We talk about how we process our deer at the start. We talk about um, uh, his daughter being born and how that affects a season with kids being in the picture. And we talk about uh, two major buck stories that he has 
Uh, one was the the buck he was able to get uh, the very close to when his daughter was born, and then we also dive into his first velvet buck that he got this year. So packed full of good stuff. I think that you guys are going to enjoy it. Make sure you go over to Aerial Assault and give them a subscribe. Check them out on YouTube. And without further ado, we're going to jump in. Here is Zach Housley. Well, joining me back on the show is my friend Zach Owsley from Tennessee. Zach, how are you, sir? Uh, just fine. How are you? Oh, wonderful. How's how's things in Tennessee tonight? Uh, pretty quiet tonight. Headed back to work tomorrow. So, uh, got the kid to bed. Me and my wife are just getting ready. It's pretty late here, but we're just yeah. uh, getting ready for tomorrow. Oh, yeah, man. I tell you, the, the weeknights, we love that moment. <laughs> It's like you want to go to bed uh, once you get the kids put to bed, but then you're like, man, this is our only free time. This is the only respite, <laughs> you know, because uh, whenever I wake up, the kids are already up half the time. So that that little two hours, three hours, sometimes we'll stay up to 11 just because, hey, you know, it's our free time, you know. And that's exactly what I was about to say. If if I was off tomorrow, me and my wife would be up till 11 o'clock or midnight probably watching TV. That's <laughs> just the only time that you have, you know, to do something of your own. Yeah, and I tell you what, I've recently I've I've crossed a milestone here, Zach. I've gotten my wife into watching Meat Eater. Um, she's never watched any hunting shows that she's ever really wanted to watch for more than five seconds, but she will watch Meat Eater. So that's I'm 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 considering that a win right now. <laughs> hey, I understand. <laughs> I had my wife watch one episode of it because she's big into like the cooking channel and Food Network and all that, mm-hmm. and so they do have that aspect on there. Right. So she was a little bit interested in it. So yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm going to convince her to eat. Uh, what was it they shot? Like a goat heart. I don't think that there's nothing about that. that I think she wanted to have any part of. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my wife and my in laws they would not even eat deer meat mm-hmm. until we got married. And even for my mother in law, we had to not let her know that it was deer meat (laughs) for her. And now that's all she can eat because for whatever reason, she has bad reactions to beef. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so I shot a doe there a couple nights ago and I asked my wife, all right, what do you want me to do with it? You know, and (laughs) and I get lazy, man. I like to process my own, but I don't just because it's time consuming. And, and we have a processor nearby that for not a whole lot, like his, his charge is really minimal, relatively speaking. And he does some amazing job on trail bologna, deer sticks with cheese and jalapenos. I mean, it's stuff that I don't know how to do. And I'm like, I'm just going to pay the man. And my wife loves it. Like, so that's what we, that's what we usually do with my first deer is I would go restock the freezer full of deer sticks and trail bologna and pepperoni. And we'll get of course, tenderloin and all that stuff. And she, she likes that. So that's good. Yeah, there was a time, I mean, I tried processing one myself, and then I decided it definitely went for me. It was way too, it took the fun out of it for me. But as far as, um, you know, taking it to a processor, there was a time where I used to go to the cheapest place, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was like, I think, $50 for a basic cut, and you had another $10 fee. So it's like 60 bucks to get a deer processed. But then what you end up realizing is you end up not eating a lot of it. So now I'll even pay a little bit more premium prices, get those things you're talking about, you know, like the sausage and the bratwurst. And there's even a guy here who does deer bacon. So, yeah, I I really in the last few years, I've I've been up, you know, paying up for that just because you actually put the meat to use. Yeah. And, and speaking of meat eater, I think what I've tried to do too with that is I really try and look up some good rest. It used to be, I just like throw a slab of meat on the grill and try and grill it up 
wouldn't marinate it. And my wife, you know, there's guys don't like the term, but gamey or wild or strong, however you call it. Sometimes that taste is just too much. And there was just times that we just didn't enjoy eating it. Even I, I was like, you know, I grew up eating that, but you know, so now I try and put a little extra effort into my recipes, make sure I marinate and do different things. And, you know, my wife, there's definitely, we just learned the other night I I took uh, some canned, we like to can deer and I made some quesadillas and I tell you, they, they were dynamite. So it's just kind of nice to learn a few things. I'm still just kind of adding to that as I go, trying to learn some new things to to definitely make it be something that we, we eat all of it, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's something me and my wife been trying to learn ourselves, you know, is, how do we eat all of it? Because you can't eat the same thing all the time. So what are some yeah. processed meats or the, the processes that we can ask for and what dishes can we make out of that? Yeah. We, You know, we've been trying to do it like they're, the guy that I took it to last time. Uh, he has chorizo, deer chorizo. Mm, yeah. And my wife loves spicy foods. So that's been a big go-to for us. So like last time, all my ground I had done in chorizo. And, you know, we got one of those Blackstone griddles here. So it's like perfect for, you know, pulling that out of the freezer and cooking it up. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I tell you the thing we probably eat the most of is actually canned deer. Um, you ever tried that? I, I haven't. You have to send that to me. Yeah, man. It's, uh, so what I like about it is if I process my own, it's pretty simple. But actually what we've been doing, if I shoot a buck um, and I take it to the processor, I'll ask him. He'll actually uh, cut it up into little chunks for me and then I can get the rest of the stuff the way I want it. He'll give me enough, you know, to make a few batches, but we'll just stuff it down in pint jars. And then you throw an onion cube on or a slice of onion or maybe even a garlic piece of garlic in there. And then you pressurize it. You don't have to add meat water or whatever. And it just seals it. And then, we, you know, you don't have to put it in a freezer or whatever. It just sits on our shelf down the pantry. And then if I want, you know, the quesadillas, I'll drain it and cook it. Or I'll do uh, uh, like it with egg noodles or whatever, uh, like kind of like a pulled pork sandwich sometime with cheese. So we, we try all different kinds of stuff. And it's a lot of people are kind of a little funny about canned meat. But I tell you, it, it, it lasts. We eat some that's two or three years old and it tastes fine. And it's uh, good stuff. Really, really good. Yeah, we probably need to get into doing that because what we run into is we run out of freezer space, you yep, know. So exactly, that'd be a great option for us too. Well, it's been a few years since you and I. I mean, we've kept in touch since um, you know our, your last episode, but you came on episode forty-seven. So I think it's been about two years. So what's been going on in your world, man? Can I give us a little bit of update? What's what's been happening with Zach Owsley? Um, a lot of changes since then. You know, uh, I'm married still uh, i believe i was married then obviously you know but uh we have had a child we had a child last december so my world yeah. turned upside down you know but little little girl uh, right it, yes that's right uh sutton congratulations is her name and she's uh you know she's probably the best thing that ever happened to me and i assume my wife thinks the same um but like i said you know it's it's kind of turned things upside down you know i'm 34 years old and uh i kind of lived for the first 30 33 years doing what i want when i want and, you know now there's a new boss in the house <laughs> and, and and very there's demanding no way, very demanding that, boss that is exactly right there is no way to tell her no i mean you just i mean there's certain things you got to do so mm-hmm. you know i kind of cut into like you know my last season and, you know at least that was part of the process uh but um I would say that, you know, as far as life, that's the biggest thing, you know I mean? We how, have, how did that, how did that mess with your season? Not mess with, that's probably the wrong term. How did that affect or change 
you know, go to the year before that and then her birth. What, what were the two comparisons there? What, what changed for you having a kid? Uh, well, you know, like the year before, I mean, I hunted every day, every day I was off. Uh, and if I didn't hunt, you know, it was because the weather was bad or something like that. And I went wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, like I said. Um, but so right around the time my wife got pregnant, for example, I went and bought a 2003 uh, E-150 van. And uh, you probably find this on my YouTube channel. I, I haven't posted the end episode, but if anybody wants to go look at it, it's Aerial Assault. But I bought that van, and the whole reason was I was going to go to Illinois and hunt. And even though I knew I had a baby on the way, it never <laughs> dawned on me how, you know, I just, it just never dawned on me how taxing that would be for my time. You know what I mean? Like, so anyway, I, I built this van and basically turned this van into a, uh, what I call it is the rut rig. And it's got a bed in it, a sink, heater, you know, it's got a uh, nice wood floors. It's got, you know, everything you could possibly want. Man, I spent all summer doing that last year, and the plan was I was going to Illinois, and I bought the Illinois out-of-state tags. Uh, I can be in Illinois in two hours from my house. I live in northwest Tennessee, right. so I would uh, go up to Illinois. That was my plan, and I was going to do that up until the baby was born. Well, so in October, I finally got up there for like four days, three or four days. And I actually passed a pretty decent buck, or at least decent for Tennessee. It wasn't a decent Illinois buck. But then I come home, and then, you know, like all the stuff that you don't know about as a first-time parent started happening. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so my wife ends up in the hospital, and, uh, you know, they're like, or she goes to a regular doctor's appointment one day, and they're like, well, it's, pre it's getting pretty close. You know, this could happen any day. So now we're in November. She's due on December 6th, I think. Oh, boy. And they're like, they're like, hey, this could happen any day. Like, you know, we're just telling you it could happen at any time. Then she starts having those Braxton Hicks contractions. And, oh, man. Yeah. So it, it turns into that. You can't go two hours from the house. Right. You know, and the hospital that we plan to have the baby at was already 40 minutes in the opposite direction of Illinois. So. Let's say I did go two hours to Illinois, even if that was the closest spot. You know, I'd have to turn around and drive two hours back, plus 40 minutes to the hospital, and I wasn't going to be the guy who was going to miss the birth of my daughter if I could help it. Yeah. So that was really where the huge change was. You know, so like going where I want, when I want, was over with. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I was on a, I don't know, I really kind of, put a lot of undue pressure on myself last year because I felt like if I was going to get it done, I had to get it done by a certain time. Yeah. You know, and you didn't know what that time was because they're telling you any day. So every day you went and something didn't happen. You're like, Oh, you know, is, is this going to be the day? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, but believe it or not, the deer that you and I, talked about on the podcast was a 10 pointer I killed on public land. Um, I 
So back up a little bit, I wounded a deer on Thanksgiving of this year and uh, jumped him, or last year, and jumped him uh, several hours later. Mm. So uh, basically was not having a great season and time was crunching, you know. Right. Uh, Babies due on December 6th. I had killed that deer that you and I spoke about on December 4th. Uh, so 366 days later, I get the same situation. West wind, about 28 degrees. Winds only about three, four mile an hour. I went to the exact same tree, the exact same spot. And I shot another nice buck last year. <laughs> I had that same tree. Oh, man. Wow. And this, uh, if I'm doing the math, is this a day before your daughter's due? It actually is the day before she was due. And that's wow. really the reason I got up and went. It was like, okay, like if I'm going to do it, I got to do it today. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> she ended up not being born until December 9th. We had, uh, you know, scheduled to go in and uh, just go ahead and have it done. If she wasn't born by the 9th, well, so we got up at 4.30 in the morning on December 9th and headed to Jackson to the hospital to have her induced. And my wife was in labor. Oh, man. So, so the, the, uh, you know, being induced didn't have to happen. <laughs> like, when we got there, they were like, she's having this baby. So by <laughs> noon that day, we, you know, we had a daughter and we were ready to rock. So, oh, yeah, that's and, awesome. and COVID makes it, COVID makes it such a strange process. If nobody's had a kid during COVID, and I'm sure, you know, like whenever you had your kids, your family's there. Yeah, uh, that's something that's it's like a McDonald's drive through now. <laughs> I mean, they, they 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 get the baby. They say, OK, here's you know, she's good. We're going to do the checkups, going to put you in an outpatient room. And exactly 24 hours after you had the baby, they're pushing you out the door. No, oh, man. And, and there's no family involved. I mean, it's just a really weird process compared to. You know, I mean, like my brothers had two children, so I was present for both of those. But uh, it, it was just a really strange process to not be able to have your family there. And then at the same time, you know, like they they were doing a great job of being caring and stuff. I'm not saying they weren't, but at the same yeah. time, it was their prerogative to get us out the door as fast as possible. Oh, man, that's such a so many different things. as You look back on that year and it's just just weird stuff, just stuff like that. I, I've talked to people also that, you know, that had st- people that were sick in the hospital, people that died in the hospital. It's just like, man, it just so much was just messed up by that. That was, it was just not normal. And I understand people's desire to get back to normal for sure. Oh, absolutely. But you know, at the same time as I always try to look at something, even if you think it's a negative, I try to find the blessing in it. You know, sometimes whenever, you know, if family and all that's at the hospital, you know, everybody wants to see the baby, hold the baby. You got these people yeah. in your room the whole time. That was one positive. I mean, it was quiet. We yeah. got to spend the time with our baby, you know, and everybody else could come to our house later, you know, mm-hmm. uh, after being tested and whatnot. So, I mean, there, there was a blessing in it, but at the same time, you know, it would have been nice to have my parents there and stuff, especially being my first child. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I relate so much to what you talked about there, that pressure that we kind of put on ourselves to, if you know that there's something coming up and it's going to limit your hunting, that pressure that we kind of put on ourselves. Um, and it almost sometimes it's kind of fun because it drives us, but also it cannot be fun because it's, 
you know, is pressure. It's that, that intensity that's kind of added to what's supposed to be a very fun and relaxing experience. You know, something that you're supposed to go out and just, I'm maybe not relaxing, but enjoyable. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember, I think it was 2017. Um, my daughter Hattie, uh, she had to have a hip surgery and I remember it was like on November 5th. It was right during the middle of the rut. I remember that feeling too, like, man, I've got to get it done. I've got to get out there. And I was just really starting to kind of get some properties figured out and just went with a buddy randomly. Um, he had a property and he said, hey, you want to go? And it was a cold front. And we went in and I shot my first compound buck, you know, a little you know, seven point, but kind of neat on the one side. And I just remember, hey, this kind of neat, just how <laughs> getting it done and you kind of succeed, you know, that, that's a really good feeling whenever that all comes together. It is, but, you know, like, I didn't do it as bad last year, but I've had some years, like, what you're talking about is you put that pressure on yourself, and it actually takes the fun out of it. Yeah. And I've I've been in that situation. But at the same time, like you said, it's that pressure that drives you, too. So it's it's a lose-lose battle with it sometimes. Can you walk us through that hunt a little bit more? Tell us a little bit more, like, how that all went down. I know you got up and you got the deer, but kind of bring us through – uh, you know, this, this buck before the baby, how did that all shake out, Zach? Um, I had not. So I had a, we got a lease last year for the first time ever. And so I had not hunted the public ground that I had been hunting for the past, I don't know, 15 years. I think I'd been there once, maybe twice. And that was it. And the main reason was, so I got this new lease that me and my dad and two other guys were on and we had a 150 inch eight point on it. So I had really been hunting that property hard. And then my buddy killed that eight. He ended up scoring 151 inches. So uh, there was another deer with a drop time that I was chasing. And that deer disappeared around Thanksgiving. Mm. So basically I had not been to the public land at all. Um, other than, like I said, those one or two times. But that morning when I woke up, I looked at the wind. It was a westerly wind, and it seems like the only time you see deer in there is on a west wind. Um, I've killed two nice bucks in there now. One, and and I'll get back to this in a minute. So the first deer I ever shot in there, he had a uh, really weird side where he had a uh, – the horn grew down the side of his face on one side. Oh, yeah. And then the other side was a perfect four-point side. So he had that horn that grew down his face and a little hook off of it. So it was only a six-point. And then I shot the 10-pointer that you and I spoke about on the podcast before. But both of those were in westerly winds, pretty cool morning. But that 10-point that I shot that we spoke about, I shot him like 15 minutes after daylight. It was just, you know, as good as it gets so same conditions i pull up to the parking lot that morning and there's nobody there there's some duck hunters who come in and i see them i'm not too worried about them and i just headed off to my spot and i was like you know got a good chance i remember about 15 minutes after daylight looking at my phone and thinking well I've killed less deer here in the first 15 minutes of hunting here than I did last year in the first 15 minutes of hunting here. So, <laughs> so, uh, I actually pulled out my phone and was going to text a friend of mine that exact same thing. And, uh, 
when I did that, I looked to my right and there's a huge, uh, I kind of, when you go down into this spot, there's like a, and there's not many ridges where we're at. It's as flat as can be, but for whatever reason, it drops off a field down into a, this small ridge. And then you come to like a little cypress flat that's full of water. And I walked through that, that and then it kind of comes to a, like an oak, a slight, very slight drop in elevation, but you can feel it. It's full of oaks in there, almost like it was planted. But I always walk all the way through that, and I come to a huge ditch. And the ditch is so deep that you can't cross it. But I've never seen but one deer across there, I believe. Every other deer has always been in the oak flat or walking down the edge of the water. Mm. But as I pulled out my phone to text the guy that, so like I said, it's, we're talking 15, 20 minutes after daylight at this point. I see a... Uh, I see a buck on the other side of the water and I, I was able to, uh, I was rifle hunting at the time. I was able to, you know, grab my gun and shoot him. And, uh, you know, that, that was pretty much it. So <laughs> two <laughs> spots or two times into that spot, you know, 20 minutes. But like I said, it was across this huge ditch. So luckily I had a friend who uh, helped me out. We had to come back to town and pick up a kayak i had just to be able to kayak across this ditch to go get him and i didn't know what he was well you remember me telling you i shot the deer the first deer i shot in there was a six point mm-hmm. <laughs> well this deer was exactly the same way except for his horn his his messed up side wasn't growing down his face he just had a giant spike with another point coming off of it so it's really strange that i've shot two really odd bucks out of the same tree and you know and and that's been several years apart but the coolest thing about that hunt is i would say like i said when i pulled up there that morning there was nobody there you know everybody talks about hunting public and it being crowded so like as i'm walking out of the woods you know i'm on my cell phone and everything when i got up to the parking lot there were seven other trucks in the parking lot oh wow (laughs) so it kind of I don't know. It struck me, you know, when I got to the gate, I was like, haven't been here all year. Uh, all the, I beat all these guys here this morning. I had no clue they were here. I mean, I never heard them coming in, you know, or anything. I mean, I heard trucks on the gravel and that was it. I didn't know where they were going. And I, you know, I, at that point I felt like I beat them all, <laughs> you know, I mean, like <laughs> just being there that morning, being there before daylight, being there before they got there you know, beating the crowd. And really, I, I mean, I'd love to tell you, you know, I was, I was hunting that deer and all that, but that wasn't it. I was hunting a spot. Right. Just a spot that I knew was good. And because you have to walk through water to get to it, and it's it's kind of weird. Like I said, you go down a ridge, then you walk through water, and then it drops off again. It's almost like there's a little valley in between those two uh, drops in elevation, and it just holds water in there nobody ever makes it to it and so i just remember getting to the parking lot that morning and being like huh, got it done on public and it was crowded and i beat every one of these dudes <laughs> you know, well, that's I, a good I, feeling man yeah i mean it was just you know it was a i don't it was a uh and like we talked about it you know you had the, i had that pressure on me you know like i felt like i was in a rush i had to make it happen so, I mean, just for it all to come together there there, and then to see all the other people there. And I just felt like, you know, you're still doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's exciting. Just the way it all played out. And then 
like you said, right before your daughter's birth. That's that's pretty cool. That's neat how that all shakes out. Yeah, it's a, it's a super cool, super cool moment. Well, the reason I, I reached out to you on this one, because I uh, was scrolling the other day on Instagram. Of course, you know, before my season comes in, I'm always a little jealous of these guys that are able to hunt this early season. Guys in Kentucky, some guys in Tennessee, maybe out west, and uh, just kind of get on Instagram. And you're itching for that season to come in. And so you start just kind of snooping around. And I came across a post that you made about a hunt that you had in the early season. So I thought maybe we could kind of shift gears and, and get into what's already shook out for you this season. Yeah. So like I said, last season went, it wasn't great. And uh, five minutes or uh, well, five minutes, probably 20 minutes in the season this year, I had an eight pointer down in Tennessee. Um, so four years ago, Tennessee started what they call the velvet hunt. Um, and it's usually the last full weekend of August. And it, it originally was bow only. Um, but since then, they have opened up CWD counties to rifle. Okay. And so there are, I think, eight or ten counties now in West Tennessee that are considered CWD, either positive or high risk counties around me. But, uh, you know, that's, that's besides the point, I guess, uh, one thing I want to start off with, you said that you feel jealous of these other states and hunters who get to hunt that, um, don't, (laughs) (laughs) it, it, man, so it's great to be able to kill a velvet buck, but it is brutal, man. I mean, it is so hot. The mosquitoes are so bad. I hate spiders. Uh, deer flies are terrible. I mean, it's just until you kill one, it is a miserable experience. You know, you hear people talk about how killing an elk, like all the work that goes into it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, killing a velvet buck in August, that is tough. Yeah. So, um. I guess the best way to tell this story is to kind of start by, you know, like my summer scouting. So I went and put, like I said, I have that lease and uh, the plan was, so the, the velvet hunt is for private land only, except for in the CWD zones. But I don't have any public that's in CWD zones. And the good thing about my my private lease is it's a little bit in the hills, so the mosquitoes are not that bad. So my plan was, is that if I was going to shoot a velvet buck, it was going to be there. Yeah. I, I had some salt licks out, so I put some cameras on them for inventory. And about three weeks before the velvet hunt, I had five different eight-pointers that I was willing to shoot. And at least one of them was showing up every morning. 10 minutes after daylight. So I was like, okay, I'm taking off work. You know, I I was off for one day of the hunt and I went ahead and took off for the last two days of it. And I thought, okay, you know, I, I've done my research. I know where they're at. I'm going to keep doing, you know, keep putting in the time. I'm going to put in more effort this year than ever because I'm pretty confident that I can get into that spot, kill a deer. Mm. 
And then uh, about a week and a half before, maybe two weeks before, the eight-pointers just disappeared. I mean, it was like nothing. I mean, like deer completely just disappeared off the place. And I really couldn't patch together what it was. So, like, the few days before the hunt, I went and started uh, glassing some fields which I'd already been doing. And here's what's weird about that. So two weeks before, like before the eight pointer started disappearing, I was glassing those fields. And there's one field that had over 40 deer in it, one bean field. That week of the hunt, there was zero deer in the beans, none. And it was just kind of a shock, you know, I mean, like, where do they go? I think what happened is, and this is still just a theory, but, the corn started yellowing really early here, started drying out. And it's because we had one of the driest years we ever had. Plus, the farmers got the corn in really early because they didn't get the beans planted because of the wheat crop this year was so good and the yield on the wheat was so good that they pulled the wheat out really late. So what I think happened is the deer started trying to kind of transition it off the beans into this corn okay and i don't have any cornfields around at least so you know not this year anyway they were all beans and you know when you hear people talk about early season they're talking about hunting beans that are green the beans were still green but i think just the corn kind of become that preferred source or at least being close to that corn right so Man, I was putting in more work than I ever had for a velvet buck, and um, nothing. Have you have you got a velvet buck before this? No, no. Okay. I'd had several close encounters. Uh, we could talk about those later if you'd like. But I, I you know, three years prior, uh, I didn't get to hunt the previous year. But then two years ago, I had a uh, a really really nice seven pointer, like five yards. And I was facing the wrong direction. And then he busted me and my dad ended up shooting that deer later. And then the three years prior, uh, I had two really nice bucks at like 75 yards, did absolutely zero scouting, nothing. I was just like, I'm going to go sit in a stand. And I had two really nice bucks at 70 yards for like an hour and a half and never got a shot. But basically, you know, I'd, I'd never done any real work to kill a velvet buck until this year. And I felt I was farther from killing one than ever. Oh, Nothing man. on camera, you know, the glass in the fields wasn't working. So I do have one little piece of permission property inside the CWD zone. And I actually had not planned on going to that, but I was editing a video for my channel the night before the hunt. I ended up staying up later than I wanted to. And when I got up the next morning, I didn't have anything ready. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to grab my gun and I'm going to go out here with this spot and scope. And I'm just, I'm taking the gun just in case. And I'm going to take this spotting scope. I knew where, and I'll try to explain this the best I can. There's a ditch that goes down and comes into a Y. And like the, the, piece in between the veed part of the Y was beans. Okay. Everything on the outside of that V and on the bottom side of the Y was corn. Okay. 
So where those beans jetted off basically in between two cornfields and come to a point, I wanted to get there and look at that. I just thought, well, I'll go out there and look. I did not realize when I got there that morning that the farmer had planted the the old farm road in corn so I couldn't drive into the field at all. I walked like 700-something yards through corn, uh, standing corn, and I don't know if you've ever done that. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. I was, I was soaking wet by the time I got to the other side. It's barely breaking day already. And, uh, you know, I set my uh, spotting scope on the ground and was getting ready to try to lay my gun down so I could kind of figure out where I was going to sit. And a seven-pointer stood up out of the beans right there. Right on, As soon as I got to the other side of the corn, seven-pointer stood up in the beans. Oh, man. Like, 20, like 25 yards, you know, I mean, chip shot. And I, you know, I pulled the scope up on him. I looked at him. I was like, well, you know, that's cool. At least I've seen a buck, you know. Well, then he runs off through the bean field blowing and making all kinds of racket. And as he gets down there, the – it's so foggy that I can't see. And I say foggy, it's, you know, as that moisture is lifting up off the ground that morning as the sun's coming up, you just can't see through it. I mean, it's just a thick fog. So I'm like, well, I got to get closer if I want to see down into that point of these beans, you know, if I want to see down to where that point is. So I walk just out on the edge of the corn in the wide open, another 45 yards or so, and I start glassing. And I see uh, a deer moving through the beans, but I can just see his head. I'm like, it's got to be that same deer I just just saw. Well, he stopped. And when he stopped, right across the ditch in the corn, I saw a really nice buck step out. And at this point, I mean, we're talking 480 to 520 yards. You know, it's a long way. Mm. And uh, so immediately I'm like, how, how are you going to get to him? So, like I said, the inside of the V part of the Y is all beans, but there's corn on each side. So I jump into the corn. I just leave my spot and scope where it's at. I'm like, I'll get it later. I jump into the corn and I take off down the corn running. And, you know, this is one thing that I'm not good at is stalking your deer because I get impatient. Uh, like you watch the guy. You watch the guys on like the hunting public, like they take all day. Like you got to realize those, those deer are not in a hurry. But Mm -hmm. to me, you know, it's like, if you don't get there fast enough, he's going to be gone. Because literally he's standing on the edge of the corn. There's probably 30 yards of beans between him and the next corn. And I, I I was just in a hurry. So I, I jumped in the corn and I just took off running as fast as I could through it, which is not very fast. And I would peep out every now and then and look. And what was odd about this is so it's our August the 26th or 27th. I can't remember. He was the only deer who didn't have a summer coat at all. And I say it all like he had it on his legs, but you couldn't see that in the beans. Mm. He was completely brown, and every there was three other bucks in the field with him, and they were as orange, you know, that red orange color as could be. And he was completely brown. So when I would peep out and look, I didn't have to look and check and see which deer he was. I knew immediately, you know, like there was no checking him out. So I'd peep out, look, okay, I see the brown deer take off. 
And then finally I come to a fence row and I just use on X. I'm sitting there looking and I'm around 200 yards at this point. And the, the ditch now was like a true ditch. Like it wasn't just a, you know, like a low spot or a drainage. At this point, the ditch right there that I'm, so there was right there beside this fence row. It's probably eight foot deep. So I crawled through the grass uh, on the edge of the field. So you got, you know, the cornfield, ditch, and then bean field. Well, right there on the edge of the cornfield, there's a bunch of grass. I crawled through it and I jumped in the ditch. And I just started using Onyx. And this is really, I guess, where you could say Onyx is kind of cheating because it tells you where you're at. And, you know, sitting there, you're looking to see where they're at. You know, 10 years ago, we didn't have that kind of technology. Right, right. So I'm sitting there like, I think he's here. How close am I? I'm looking, you know, like 140. Like, look, okay, I get that I got a gun. But I, I don't know. I really wish I had taken my bow. I end up shooting. I end up getting down and shooting this deer at like 50 yards, and or I'd say 50 or probably 15 yards. I mean, it, it was nothing, you know. Yeah. Uh, what I did is I end up running through this. Or actually, I walked through this ditch. At this point, I'm I'm exhausted. It's like 10 foot tall, and I, and there's sand all on the bottom of it, so I'm not making any noise. I mean, it's the perfect scenario. Winds blowing from the beans to me. Uh, so I just keep moving along and, uh, eventually I pop up. I mean, they're right there. I just pull the gun up and shoot him and he, he jumps and kind of dove off in the ditch. And I, I thought he went down right there. What was odd about the whole thing though. So I shot him, he jumps up, goes down in the ditch. The three bucks that were with him jump across the ditch and they get on the edge of the corn. And so at this point, I've already got on their side of the ditch, you know, or yeah. the side that they were. Now they jumped to the side that I was and they run. This ditch isn't, I don't know, seven, eight foot wide. They run down the other side of that ditch and I end up, I mean, they got so close to me that, you know, with the right stick, I could have poked them. And it was just odd. You know, I thought they would have ran off into the corner or something. They would not. They ran down the edge of it and come right by me. Oh my gosh. So, but what made me confident that I had hit him was that, you know, he wasn't with them and all three of them come by me. Yeah. Then I got over there to where I'd shot. I could not find any blood and he was facing with his head to my left. When I shot, he jumped and kind of went down in the ditch. So when I got down there, I went, dropped down in the ditch and I went left, you know, cause that's the way he was facing nothing. Could not find a thing. At this point, I'm thinking, maybe I missed. You know, I, I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> There's always that worry that sets in in that moment. You're like, oh, yeah. it was as good as what I thought it was. Yeah, and I was paying that. You know, I was playing it back, and I remember hearing the sound. You know, that you think it sounds like a bullet hitting a, a deer. And, uh, you know, I've gun hunting a lot in my life. I think I told you this before. I don't discriminate, you know, bow, rifle, if they'll let me use it, I use it. I just like to deer hunt, you know. Uh, I'm not an archery snob, as some people say, you know. Absolutely. I just, I, I just like to hunt. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I heard that thump, you know, and I was like, well, maybe that was the cartridge hitting the, the, the corn, you know, like if you ever 
thump ear of corn, it sounds pretty solid, you know. I was like, well, maybe that's what I heard. So at this point, I'm pretty discouraged. Well, I just, I get back to where I thought the deer jumped into the creek there or the ditch. And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't see anything. I just decided to go ahead. I was like, maybe he wheeled around and went this way. I took like four more steps and there was a large spot of blood. And so I've tried, I followed it a little bit more. And there was a drop here, drop there. And I, I don't know. I just didn't feel confident about it because, like, some of the blood was falling into water because it was in the bottom of that sandy ditch. And, like, I don't know. It just, I wasn't real sure, you know. It didn't look like he was just going to bleed out anytime soon. Right. So I sat, like, I got to a, there's like a spot where the ditch kind of bends and you can't see around the bend. And I just sat there for like 25, 30 minutes. And then I thought, okay, now I'll get up and just kind of walk. I took two more steps around that bend, and I could see his feet. I was sitting within seven, eight yards of him for those 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, all I had to do was look around the bend. As soon as I looked around that little bend, I could see his feet laying there. And I just went ahead and eased around. He was right there. So, yeah, I was sitting next to him the entire time. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know. Uh, you try to do everything right, yeah. get on time and not push them. And I've, I've pushed deer before, and it's the worst feeling yeah. in the world. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things like, uh, like I said, I wish I had my bow. But like, I don't hate that I didn't have my bow. Like, I just right. enjoyed getting to take a velvet bug. And then, you know, I called a good friend of mine. He lives in Arkansas. Uh, so that's about a two hour drive for him. I called him and I said, Hey man, I don't even have a knife with me. You know, like he knew where I was at. I said, I, I'll have to go back to the house and get the ATV. It's going to be 95 degrees today. He was like, don't worry about it. I'll load it up. I'll head there now. By the time you oh, get wow. back to the truck, he's like, by the time you get back to the truck, I could be, you know, already more than halfway there. Oh, he's what like, a friend. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, he was like, go get ice. So that when we get him back to the truck, you know, we can throw him on ice and uh, we'll just do the best we can to take care of it. So that's what we did. I had a uh, tire in the back of the truck. So when we finally got him to the processor and see, here's the thing you don't think about is like when you kill a deer and it's that hot outside, it, processing it yourself is almost not an option. Yeah. And then because, uh, I mean, you, you really need a cooler. But then what do you do with the antlers? You know, I mean, like, uh, you, you got to keep them cool or, the, or get them in a fridge soon. So we get him caped out. And what I actually did, you'll find this funny. So I put him inside that tire and his entire cape. And, you know, he was in a trash bag and I had just his horn sticking out of it. And I took a, I had a, uh, a uniform shirt from work. Yeah, and I soaked that uniform shirt with water and laid over the top of his horns. And we bought 10 bags of ice and filled up that truck tire so that that truck tire would hold the ice. And we had that ice just domed up back there over the top of this buck. That's awesome. But it was, you know, it was a good day. Like you said, a good friend. Uh, so if he gets to listen to this, Casey Hill, I appreciate you very much. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a good day, man. You know, like, I, it, it's one of those things. 
nothing was going right up until that point. Yeah. You know, uh, the property I wanted to hunt, no deer was showing up. I stayed up to night late the night before. Um, you know, just I had zero faith. And yeah. that's why I was like, I'm just going to go check out this other property. The worst that can happen is I don't see anything, but I'm not seeing anything on my cameras at the other place anyway. Yeah. But like I said, don't be so jealous of us that get to hunt in that season <laughs> because I told everybody every single minute of that, except for shooting the deer and getting the deer out was absolutely miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've, you've convinced me. I won't be jealous. I, you know, there are so many of those things. You always think the grass is greener. Like, oh, man, I wish I could go do that. But there's always those other things you don't think about. You know, I mean, uh, you, you get yourself, you know, kind of hearing your perspective. Yeah, there's definitely some challenges that come with being able to hunt that early. And get grief that just really seems like a long time. You know, for me, hunting September 25th through February 6th, that's a long time. You add another month to that. And I think my wife, you know, she'd probably probably not talk to me anymore i don't know so <laughs> yeah uh i used to buy a arkansas license because see here in tennessee we're done the first weekend in january i think yeah or the first full weekend and i used to buy an arkansas license too because you could hunt till like february 28th yeah uh, my wife was not very happy about that for a couple of years <laughs> But, you know, there's like some of the best hunting over there because, like, I work in Arkansas. Yeah. So we have a little bit of property right there on the Mississippi River that they allow us to bow hunt. And, like, man, you would get into those bachelor groups in that time of year, and, like, the food is very slim. And especially when the river got up, I mean, you might mm -hmm. see 40, 50 deer in a morning. Yeah. You know, I, I had uh, several opportunities at Big Butt, and I actually found – a deer that I was chasing the year prior. Uh, I, I assumed he was probably, he was a 14 point. He was like 150 to 160 inch deer. I assumed yeah. I found him the next year in the river at our port. So I don't know if you've ever been around the Mississippi river, but no. uh, it's a huge river. Huge. I mean, like it's mile wide, you know? So I actually found, I saw, a deer floating in what we call driftwood, you know, it's just floating up against our deck. And so I used a forklift that uh, has a big boom on it. We call it sky track. Anyway, we, I boomed out there and picked him up and it caught on his antler. And as mm. I picked him up out of the water, I was like, that's a giant. I got him oh, up there and realized man. it was a deer I was chasing the year before. Oh, I got, wow. him, I got his dead head here. He's 151 inch 11 point. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. I remember seeing pictures of that. That was a big one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was – he was a great deer. So, I, I, I assume that you did not get this on film, correct? It's a little bit I, different whenever you're gun hunting and trying – I've never – I've not found a good way to film gun hunts and that sort of thing. Were, okay. Any luck with that? No, and that's kind of where the, you know, the, the last minute change of plan. I had a backpack packed with my camera gear and all that in it when I realized that, you know – and I woke up that next morning and I was like, I really have no hope of going to those pots. I left yeah. my camera gear. I left everything. And that's like I said, I didn't even have a knife that morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it was just a the big, of the moment deal. The big takeaway I get from this story, um, Zach, it, I think guys know this, but 
it's easy to get into the like get into the season and you kind of get discouraged and things like you said you're not sure where the big bucks are you're not sure what your move should be and you just I think what guys need to realize is that at any moment the season could change on a dime. You know, you just make one decision. I think about a couple of years ago, I had had a season like that, had some bad shots, and I just had a guy at church say, "Hey, I, I've been seeing bucks behind my house," and I said, "You care if I come over?" I went over to his house on a Sunday afternoon. And I shot the biggest buck of my life. You know, it's just, just. I mean, the guy owns one acre. <laughs> it's just. I remember. You never. Man, you just never man. know. No, I just think that's life too. You know, I mean, there's moments where life can change on a dime and it goes for the worst, but you know, you have faith and you hang in there and you just pray that God will give you uh, some relief or something, you know, whatever moment. And all of a sudden it can change for the better too. You know, I think we forget that just as quickly as things can go bad, it can also turn good like that too. Absolutely. And, you know, we, as we, as humans, we're just negative people. And sometimes we tend to, you know, ride on the negativity. That's our nature. But, yeah. you know, we got we got to kind of look for the positive. And I'll tell you another thing that I think is important to remember out of this. Uh, John uh, Reed that owns JX3 Outdoors, I talked to him every once in a while. I called him and he was asking, you know, about the thing. I said, man, it was just, it just got lucky. And he said, deer hunters are people in life who are successfully successful consistently. They make their own luck. He said, yeah, luck can happen, but you just got to learn to believe in yourself. You made that happen. He was like, you knew where to go. You knew, you know, even though you didn't have faith in it, you put yourself in that situation. Yeah. You, and, you know, you start thinking about people who become millionaires, you know, people who they put themselves in that situation. Yeah, there are some who might win the lottery and become a millionaire, but, you know, there's also people who have, you know, put themselves in that situation time and time and time again. You are reminded me of one of my favorite movies, Zach, uh, where the red fern grows. Remember what grandpa tells uh, the boy, I forget what the boy's name is, but he wants, he's like, I've been praying for those dogs. I want those two coon dogs. I've been praying. And the grandpa says, you got to meet God halfway. You know, he's not going to just give them to you. Sometimes you got to do the work. And I just think you're, you're absolutely spot on. Yeah. So, I mean, when he told me that, it just kind of stuck with me, you know, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You you stress yourself out, you know, thinking about I, I, you putting that pressure on yourself of, you know, it's coming to crunch time. Mm-hmm. Like, just keep believing in yourself. You know, yeah. if if you're doing right, eventually right will come on to you, you know. Uh, that's good, man. That's good stuff. Well, Zach, I uh, I got a text a few minutes ago from my wife saying she needed me home because my little one of my little ones is coughing and uh, needing uh, just crying and all that. So I got to get off here. But I want you before you hop off here, tell us about Aerial Pursuit one more time. Tell us about your YouTube channel because I know you do a lot of great stuff on there. I see a lot of great gear reviews. You do your hunts and all that. Tell us what what you're up to with Aerial Pursuit. Oh, okay. It's aerial assault. Aerial assault. I'm sorry about that. I got the wrong name. But there you go. No, no yeah. it's perfectly fine. It's aerial assault. Um, and it kind of started off as like, you know, a DIY thing. And it's turned into more of a video reviews, mainly for sow hunting. There's some tree stand reviews and stuff on there. Yeah. And my, my intention is in the future to kind of get away from that. But let's be honest, you got to build an audience somehow. Right. Yep. And I've been able to do that with reviews. Yep. Um, you know, and you do a good that, job with those. I do appreciate that. You know, I, 
I just try to be true to myself and, and tell, you know, be honest. There's a lot of guys who get on these things and they, uh, you know, they're basically promoting a product and that that's not what I want to do. I want to be honest to the consumer. I want people to come to me and say, Hey, I want your honest opinion on this, you know, even if I'm not in the video. So I try to be, you know, I try to be as honest as possible and bring out those reviews and, that's kind of been what is, I guess, the niche I fell into. Yeah. Not necessarily the niche I wanted to be in. Right. But, uh, like I said, you have to create an audience somehow, and that has been my way of creating an audience. So yeah. now I'm trying to venture out of that. Like I said, I will have a video of the van on there soon. Yeah. I will also be featured in Bow Hunting Magazine for the oh, van. cool. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, you always dream of being in Bow Hunting Magazine or a, a, a hunting magazine. You just don't dream of being put in there for a van instead of a big gear. Oh, that's cool. I look forward to that. That's awesome. So, Aerial Assault. Sorry, I messed that up. Aerial Assault. So, check that out, guys. I've I've been following Zach for two years now, and I get on there. I Because I saddle hunt, I like seeing that stuff. And like you said, I think you do a great job just giving an honest review that's the thing like you never know on some of these things if guys are being sponsored or if there's somebody paying them to say what they're saying uh, some guys i think they like they give a review and they haven't even really tested it now, what i like about your stuff is that you've tested the stuff and you shoot straight and I, I appreciate that you know that's that's what's needed in a review for sure well i appreciate you saying so you know it's it's stuff like that the feedback encouragement that you know people give that uh makes it worthwhile yeah. you know we spend a, and another thing is if you know if anybody's listening who hasn't subscribed uh, maybe saddle hunting isn't your thing uh, but hunting in general is you know if you'll go subscribe to the channel a lot of this stuff that we do reviews on you know we pay our own money for it. right and you know those people who subscribe and and uh, watch those videos there's you know we get just a little bit back through the ads that are in the video right so you know if you can subscribe to that maybe you'll catch me around maybe i'll have some content that you do like but you know it it helps give back to us at the same time and that's my goal is to give back to the community i'm never Mm going to be very big you know i know i'm not going to be michael waddell but uh i i kind of want to i want to give it back to the community as much as i can and and i guess reviews has just been the way that i've been able to do that i've met a lot of cool people you know, even met even met you through this, and like you know, I got guys who uh, that I speak to almost every day now that live in New Jersey, uh, New York, and uh, Ohio. I mean, like just all over the country. You know that that I would have never met if it wasn't for this. So it's been That's awesome, awesome experience. Well, Zach, I've enjoyed the conversation, man. I hate to cut it short. Uh, I do need to get home here, but I really loved hearing. I was super pumped to see that you got a velvet buck. And uh, thank you so much for giving us some more time tonight, telling us a little bit about some of your adventures. And also, I just want to say, hey, congrats on being a new dad and and that little girl. I'm sure that's exciting, too. Uh, Thank you very much, man. I sure do appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Well, I'm sure I'll have you back on. We'll chat again soon. All right. You take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Man, it was good catching up with Zach. Really loved hearing his stories and just uh, how life's changed for him since he's had his daughter and also about his velvet buck. And 
you know, I, I've said it many times, I am jealous of those guys, but Zach really did make me think a little bit more about that, that the fact that the heat is going to be there, you got to worry about the recovery and the meat and the processing and just all of those other things, like some, and it adds to your season, makes it longer, you know, so, you know, it does make it seem like, hey, sometimes the grass does seem greener on the other side. That said, if anybody out there wants to invite me on a uh, velvet hunt next year or the year after Kentucky, Tennessee, or out west, you know, you know, I will suck it up and deal with those things. I will gladly <laughs> get over anything that's negative. But uh, jokes aside, I really do appreciate Zach coming back on the show again. And also, I would encourage you guys to go over and check out Aerial Assault. In fact, today I was checking out some daisy chains for my sticks on this one website, and I was like, eh, I'm sure somebody's done a review on that. I hopped on YouTube, typed in the name of the daisy chain, and the first thing that popped up was Zach Owsley's review on Aerial Assault, and he does a great job. Uh, he's short, quick, to the point, and tells you the honest truth about uh, what uh, what the product is and how to use it. So appreciate him. Uh, you know, something that he mentioned that I think is very true, he talked about how people can sometimes just be downright negative. Um, we can get ourselves focus on the negative and not always on the positive. You know, this happens so much in hunting. Um, I, I'm sure we've all been there where you've gotten yourself kind of into a negative slump. You just maybe you missed a shot or you made a bad shot or you're just not seeing deer and you're wondering why they're not showing up on trail cam. This especially can be true during the middle of October, the lull or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just sometimes negativity can set in there. Also in life, you know, I don't watch the news because 95% of the news is, is just negative. Um, they might throw in one cute story about a boy and his puppy at the end, but 95% of the show is, is terrible things happening to people. Um, political stuff. It all just can be negative. Facebook can be the same way. Um, you know, you just see a lot of that and it kind of puts you in a bad space. And I'm reminded of a verse, what the Bible tells us to do. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, I think that's an interesting verse because Paul doesn't say, hey, just go out and do all this stuff and make sure that you're always doing good stuff. He says, think about good things. Not just doing good things, but think about it in your mind. Think about the good stuff. What are some things that are good in your life? You know, this morning I took a few extra moments and just kind of looked at the sunrise after I dropped my my, uh, kids off on the uh, bottom of the driveway to get on the bus and just looked at the sunrise. I thought about how I've been blessed in my life. And, you know, we're in this season where it's just, if I'm being honest, it's chaos. Having three extra uh, uh, foster kids in the house, that's just nuts. And it can be stressful. It's challenging. But there's a lot to be thankful for. If I think about uh, the, the smile on my daughter's face, uh, the foster daughter's face after we went and hunted, um, just a lot of laughs. You know, I think about just how blessed I am in my life to live where I live. I think about my family, and we've gone through struggles, but I still have a really good and tight relationship with my wife and my, my kids, my brother. Um, I still have grandparents around. There's just so many things that if I just step back for a second, and I put my mind and I focus on that. And not only the ways I've been blessed, but I just think about God himself, um, how good he is. Um, there's things that we can blame on God, but honestly, I don't think that's God. I think that's the other guy. I think Satan likes to get in there and mess things up. But whenever I think about what God's done, you know, and I, I set my mind on heavenly things, um, not just earthly things going on, it can, I think it affects my attitude. It affects the way I live. It affects how I respond 
to things around me. And it just, I don't know, I think it's just a good thing to do. So if you find yourself in that negativity spot, I just want to ask, how often are you allowing that negative stuff, that negative influence in your life? It might be time to put down the phone and get away from Facebook for a week. It might be time to turn off the news, quit watching all the gory, terrible things. You know, I watch Walking Dead, and it's just nasty things that people do to each other, to monsters or whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's time just to go outside and breathe in some fresh air and think about the good things, because there are good things if you look for them. Guys, I want to thank you so much uh, for coming back for another episode. I encourage you to go over to our YouTube channel, Shedding Light Outdoors. Make sure you hit subscribe over there if you have not done so. I'll be dropping some videos there and on Facebook here before too long. And um, yeah, that's it for this week. If you'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com or send me a private message, Facebook, Instagram. would love to connect with you, hear your hunting stories. Hope that you have a fantastic week. Stay safe. And until the next episode, remember to shed the light.